0: Hey, I am Dave, and you're listening to another episode of Dying to Listen Podcast, presented by the Disc Golf Dyers Guild. So, we have Brian from Pipe Dreamer Customs here. Uh, Get ready to hear some good stories, great tips and tricks, and if you have not seen his work, I give you permission to stop this podcast and take a look. So, um, let's dive right in here. So, Brian, thank you for joining us on the podcast um, I feel silly for asking this question all the time, but do you play disc golf?
1: Yes, as, as much as I can. Um, I haven't gotten to play as much lately, but, um, yeah, the, let me think it was last wait, 2020, uh, played over 300 rounds and I, my Udisc replay <sighs> at the end of the year, I was, I was stoked. I was, uh, I forget the percentages, but I was up there as far as people, uh, number of rounds played in a year that's
0: really impressive uh when did you start playing disc golf
1: so i first started playing around uh 2001 to yes 2001 and um at the time i was into mountain bike riding um that was how me and one of my friends we kind of got off our fat asses and decided to go and Get some exercise. And as we got really into that, and then one day I was out riding around and we saw this disc golf basket and I just drove by it really weird. It kind of intersects with the trail. And I asked my buddy, I'm like, what in the world is that thing? And he tells me, oh, well, apparently, like hippies will play golf with frisbees and that's what they throw the discs into. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So I went to go, uh, you know, look around and I saw some people playing and went and talked to them. And uh, before you knew it, I was bit by the bug and I was big into it and had a big blast for about four years until life just took me and my group of friends different directions. And but for those four years, yeah, I played a lot and it was a blast. And then I just stopped because I'm not a huge fan of doing things by myself. Um, Especially exercise, I I, it helps me to have other people to uh, keep me accountable and whatnot. And um, I I didn't play for uh, from about oh two thousand seven up until about two thousand eighteen, and that was just after, um, well, about a year after. My family, we relocated to Michigan from Arkansas, which is where I spent most of my formative years in my life and went from a very active job to a work from home job where I was teaching English to Chinese kids on the Internet and sitting behind a computer screen. And what went from living in a tiny rural town in Arkansas where there was like two restaurants in the whole town that all closed at seven or eight o'clock and then moved to fast food and put on about 100 pounds in a year and then I decided hey I gotta get off my butt and go get do get to doing something and rediscover disc golf the the town that we lived in there was a little nine-hole course in the middle of the park and so we decided to um, go out there and start throwing around and I got bit by the bug again and then I was very fortunate living in michigan there's just so many uh, the course density there is great um so many fun courses and good community good folks and and i'm enjoying
0: it here too that's awesome that's awesome that you uh got off your butt and um did some exercise i like the disc golf because it's exercise but you really don't realize it's exercise
1: (laughs) right you don't realize it's exercise until uh let's see after you get back in your car and drive back home and when you stand up out of your car that's (laughs) when i feel it the most i can play two rounds uh there's even been a few times i played three rounds in a day and i'm like oh i'm great until i sit down and my body gets stiff (laughs) oh yeah i'm not under 30 anymore
0: (laughs) yeah so um do you have any discs from like the 2001 era
1: I do. I don't bag them anymore, but I have um, a Pro Birdie. That was my first putter. Uh, I still keep that as a kind of a little catch disc because it's soft and rubbery. And it, um, I think I have a, a Viper, a Whippet, uh, a Skeeter, a, a Stingray, a Wolf, an Old Wraith. Uh, this was one of my early lotion bed attempts. And... But yeah, this was. I've had a couple people try to buy this from me, but no, I'm keeping that one.
0: So, what got you into disc dying?
1: So, I was on Reddit about the beginning of the pandemic, and I uh, just I, I I was happy to kind of pivot away from other social media networks and discovered the disc golf there uh, shortly after I started playing disc again. And then I saw a post by uh Chase of Greasy Dyes, uh, one of his lotion dyes. And boosh, wow, that's so cool. How did he do that? And in the comments thread of that post, uh someone linked to the disc dying subreddit. And so I went there and then found uh that's where I found T Diddy. And then it was on from there. And I watched a couple of his videos, and I could do this. <laughs> I could totally do this.
0: Do you remember the first disc that you attempted to die?
1: Um, yes, I, I do. It's um, it's a lime green AVR um, that I did a shaving cream burst on, and it came out really good. Um, my second through fifth discs, not so much. But that first one, man, that was that, <laughs> it, came out so well. And I don't wow, that's great. Exactly how I was hoping for. And, um, it kind of bit me like the disc, like just the disc golf bug in general did.
0: What were the, uh, discs that you died afterwards? what did you do with those?
1: Um, well, so I started out, uh, dying all of my throwers. Um, and then, uh, I, I was starting to get some decent results. And then a couple of my buddies that I played disc with were like, Hey, why don't you take my disc home? You can practice on those. And then, Um, it didn't take too long before somebody was like, Hey, I'll pay you to do that. uh, If you put, do something like that there on one of my discs. And so away we went.
0: That is awesome. What dye methods have you all tried?
1: I honestly can't think of many that I haven't tried at this point. Um, let's see. I started with shaving cream, then went to lotion and then uh, clear glue, that, that was kind of where, that was where it really sunk its meat hooks into me. And <laughs> once I figured out how to put uh, you know, two glue beds, you know, wow, that's so cool. And uh, yeah, Floetrol, I'm, I'm competent. I understand how it's supposed to work. I don't get results, anything near like what some of the other folks that are really good with that medium do. Um, I do like to do uh, like split cut pours. These are a lot of fun to do, um, and hand painting. i mean, that's uh, not really my thing. I, I'm I'm trying to learn, but it's not my it's not in my wheelhouse. I should say. Yeah. Uh, uh, spin dies. Uh, I like to do spin dies. I, I don't. Um, I don't do much aside from spin undersides of rims, like uh, like JL dies. I can't. I can't mess with that kind of. Uh, the lollipop swirl that stuff is just insane but uh, there's really not if there's a medium that i haven't tried yet a detergent i haven't done detergent (laughs) yet i should really try detergent sometime
0: right oh um so you have amazing work and i was trying to think (laughs) of your signature style but i want to hear from you do you think you have a signature style that if someone saw that disc like yeah Dreamer Customs did that. What would it be?
1: I would say probably a clear glue bed. Mm. Because that's um if, if there's somebody else out there that was doing it before TDD, like he was doing I forget what he called like a, a nebula background or something like that, but it was different than what I started tinkering around with. Mm. And if there's a, if there's somebody else out there who was doing clear glue stuff before me, I'd like to talk to him, but that, that that was what that was what kind of just grabbed my attention like this it calls to me and if i'm defaulting on a background like if i do a stencil die i default to a clear glue bed die
0: yeah i've been recently getting into clear glue beds um i feel like your progression was like mine i first did the shaving cream uh then i did lotion then also on glue bed I'm like wow <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's uh, relatively easy, especially for somebody like me that has no formal artistic training and I just kind of watch videos and oh, I do that. I put die, here's how I mix the dye and here's what I put it on and here's how I move it around and easy peasy.
0: <laughs> when do you think you tried your first uh glue bed or clear glue bed dye?
1: Oh gosh, I guess it was Probably April or May of 2020. I, I, my, I dyed my first disc in April of 2020, and it didn't take me too long to get to uh, less than a month, I feel like. I, if I went back and looked at my camera roll, mm-hmm. I could tell you exactly when. But
0: So is there any tips or tricks or things that you learned from doing the clear glue bed or any styles or things that you like to do within those patterns
1: to me the biggest thing about doing clear glue beds is not all dyes react the same way on the bed and you've got to figure like I, I kind of have what I consider like s tier colors things like fire red um um, let me think of some other color. That's just the very first one that pops. It stays in a nice, dense, colored dot on the bed, and it doesn't spread out or diffuse down into the bed. But there's other colors that. But to me, it's all about having the right mixture of colors that don't do the weird, like some, <laughs> especially the the uh prochemical blues. Like bright blue, flag blue, all of them. I mean, they, they end up looking fine after you swirl them around, but it doesn't stay in a concentrated dot of color on the top of the bed. Sort of like, um, it's like a uh, quick quote, yellow worm dip. There's no substitute for it. It is the best of the best for yellows on glue beds. and um, But anyhow, it, yeah, I feel like it's about getting the best colors and then putting the ones together that are supposed that go together well. And um for me, I did that by one of my friends who is artistically inclined, she told me, yeah, "Get you a color wheel and sit and look at this color wheel and then think about nature." And so anytime I'm trying to think of co- I started with uh my favorite color scheme was like a like a space nebula with Pinks and blues and purple and black and gray and, and fuchsia and mix those together and it makes such a cool looking spacey sort of effect and but
0: what dyes do you use and what is your mixture that you uh, mix those dyes to put on the bed with?
1: So I use almost exclusively prochemical and dye products and I will take um, these. These bottles here, the i what the HDPE bottles, I believe they are. Uh, the two ounce bottles work just fine. Um, I I don't I don't closely measure, but um, usually around a teaspoon per ounce of acetone, a, a, a teaspoon of dye per um, yeah per ounce of acetone. Or uh, alcohol, if if you want to do spindies or hand painting or something. But to me, it's uh, I've noticed a difference if I don't put a whole bunch in. I uh, mean, I could fill it halfway up, but it's not gonna ch- it's not going to make that um what's the solvent carry any more solute. There comes a point where it's maximum saturated, and I've figured I've gotten to the point where I'll mix up take a mixture after it's mixed up, set it on my. Um, my seedling mat over here and let it get warm and it. That helps raise, it steeps it sort of like tea or coffee. Mm-hmm. And after that, then I'm good for probably a couple, a month or two until I have to remix it again.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like the least amount of dye that you can use <clears> is in clear glue beds. Cause it's just like drop, drop, drop. Unlike, uh, say flow troll, where you got to dump a bunch of stuff. Yes. flow troll.
1: Yes, yeah, troll. that's the thing. One of the things that keeps me from delving into it more is because it's so intensive on medium and dye, and it's just a challenging medium to work with.
0: Mm-hmm. But Do you want to give a brief explanation of how you do your clear glue beds from start to finish?
1: Okay, so um, the first thing I would highly recommend, uh, I'm going to kind of pivot over here so you can see my my this my turntable i built this with my dad it was actually the last project that i got to do with him before he died but um everybody should have a turntable uh because it makes building and turning the you you put your bed on the on the platter of the turntable center it put your glue in there and then um and how much is honestly dependent upon um how me is the disc that you're dying? How much is it gonna sink down into the bed and um, then I take my little my glass droppers like these. I got these from uh, old vape juice bottles from a few years ago. Or, you know repurpose, recycle, all that good stuff, reuse. Yeah, and then just suck up some of the um, suck up some of the dye. Put it into, drop it. I, now, I I like to do a series of small dots. Like, I'll typically start right in dead center, put a dot, whatever uh, whatever color. I, I tend to stick with three color groups, and then I'll put one, my first color, then put dots around that color, and then take a different color and do that, and then cycle back to the first one and put dots around that. And... um. Now, there's some colors, like I mentioned earlier, that they like to kind of spread and they don't stay in a tight little spot on the bed. But if you're dealing, like uh, if you put one color in on top of a dot that you already put there, it works sort of like a holding cell and it keeps it from spreading out and diffusing as much. Um, sometimes after I put down all of my color, the tendency to spread is a little bit less. So once my bed is full with my first layer of color, then I can go back in and put in some of the other colors that I like how they look, but I don't like how they react and spread things out and distort patterns and stuff like that. And it holds them in place a little bit better. But um, yeah, I'll put my dots of color on. Then uh, most of the t- most of the time I swirl it with a toothpick. I'll just different, different shapes, different patterns. And then I'll go back around and use this little syringe, uh, daddy Mac, Chris, uh, Chris Tannis, t- uh, turned me onto this. Uh, I, at first I was just using a straw, but having this larger bore cylinder up here and channeling it into the small it, you can move more air that way. And so I'll kind of blow things around. Uh, I'll, I tend to like to take my pattern and, uh, push it back in a little bit and then maybe do some more rakes or directional. Uh, Then I'll use a straw for more precision work and just kind of get it and and blow on it and push the things around and uh, sometimes I put the straw over the top of the bed and kind of make like a a pattern and blow down hard and it distorts the pattern a little bit. It adds a different uh, texture to it for me and then uh, Put the disc in the bed
0: awesome um so after you put the disc in the bed how long do you leave it in the bed and do you use heat
1: like for your softer star like plastics like star Casta k1 um trilogy gold line etc 24 hours is sufficient i there, there's other people that say that 12 hours is even uh, that's fine uh every now and then i will use heat uh, I've actually been experimenting a little bit with that recently, but the thing with the heat is if you get it too hot, I've noticed that some of the, the fine feathery detail in the swirls, that if it gets too hot, that will kind of bleed together. And if um, sometimes if you have colors like orange and purple that makes to make brown, if you put them by each other in the bed, I could swirl it around, and if I don't put heat on it, it'll come out nice, distinct orange, purple, or whatever the case may be. And it doesn't go to brown town. But sometimes with heat, it will. I've noticed it less with the uh, with the lamp, with the heat lamp, and like a like a two hour set. I've tried to get it around, get the the surface of the disc around 100 degrees or so, and just let it sit there for two hours. And then let it soak overnight. But uh, for um, like your clearish champion, your Z-plastic champion plastic, stuff like that, I would give it at least 48 hours. And probably at this point, give it some heat. Because that stuff is hard to get good vivid color into.
0: Yeah, so I mentioned this on other podcasts, but uh, I'm impatient, so I basically nuke everything. I use a heat lamp that's probably maybe nine to 12 inches away and I let it on there for 30 minutes. Then I let the disc rest for like another 30 or an hour and it's done. But what I, I haven't really experimented with or, and I haven't noticed was what you were explaining, um, the, the more non crisp lines. I haven't really noticed that yet. So, um, but I'll definitely keep out an eye. Keep but Well, one,
1: one thing I should add to that, whenever I was noticing that, it was whenever I was leaving my beds on a seedling mat, mm. and there's been some discussion with other disc dyers that uh, it, it, it's very different heating it from below, mm. which creates uh, convection currents inside of the medium and it makes it act differently than if you've got the the heat coming from above just getting the top layer of the medium and just the disc and i haven't noticed the problem as much with the with the heat lamp so, and i honestly don't do it a lot i am i'm I'm, uh, I'm largely a proponent of um uh i i like to treat disc dying sort of like barbecue like you can't <laughs> rush yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna smoke a brisket you're going to be busy for a while and you just got to let it. Uh, one thing I thought whenever I first got into disc dyeing is that your disc has one opportunity to absorb the color that you want. And I totally understand the um, the desire. Oh, God, I can't wait to pull it. I'm ready to see what how it turned out. But that's one of those things where I just think be patient, let it have its time, give it its best chance to get the best ideal results that you want and then clean it off.
0: That is a great analogy, honestly, uh, and probably why I never got into um, that.
1: (laughs) Well, and another thing I've noticed, um, a a con for using heat with glue beds, is uh, it makes them a little bit harder to recycle. Um, Jory Reed of Jory's Fly Dyes, he convinced me to uh, jump on the recycling glue bandwagon and... I found that it works, but if you use a heat lamp on it, it you'll get that dry layer, that dried out layer of glue kind of sticks to it and it's thicker. It, it, it definitely seems to remove more of the liquid content out of the glue and it just makes it more of a mess. So um, I just typically, I'll put it in the bed and let it sit for a day or two and come back to it. And maybe I'll give it heat at the end if I'm really concerned about certain colors not wanting to come through
0: yeah i haven't reused glue beds yet mainly because i just haven't dyed that many discs or the discs that i do dye are just so infrequent that it just doesn't make sense but i definitely want to give um reusing it a try and how do you repurpose or reuse your glue
1: okay so what i do is after um well first of all i um if you can see i have my shelves where I let my beds rest. Um, Whenever I put the, the bed up there to soak, I'll put another bed on top of it to trap the moisture in so it doesn't want to dry out. And for usually round two or three, of reusing a bit, I just leave it there in the bed and try to use the same color palette that was in it before. Um, there's some colors like the neon cerise pink and the royal purple specifically that will leach out into the glue a little bit more. And that makes it a little more difficult to reuse the glue. But um after about the second or third use and it's getting pretty thick, then I'll just, I have a big oil funnel like you would for your car and just put, hold the bed over top of the, or take an empty glue jug, put the funnel into it, scrape the glue into the funnel and let it drizzle down in there. And then um, once my, once it's about two thirds full, then put a little bit of water into it, hot, hot water and shake it the crap out of it. And it's the it's that whole re-agitating the glue and re-hydrating uh, it. And uh, then I just let it sit for a couple of days, all the bubbles that you see and it'll rise up to and they'll pop. And it's more challenging because it's definitely not clear glue at that point, but If you have a well-lit working area, you can put drops of, you can see your colors whenever you're putting it onto the darker glue, but I have noticed that uh, watering it down, it changes how some of the, uh, there's some colors that did just a little bit of spread before, but now they'll spread even more. So I have to be judicious about what I use the recycled glue on.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, And speaking of glue, what type of glue do you like to use?
1: So I like to use the the colorations, the stuff from Discount School Supply. Um, I remember whenever I first got into this, it was like 6 bucks a gallon on their website. And I was like, wow, what a steal. That's comp- <laughs> it works just fine. And it's a whole lot cheaper than $20 for the, the Elmer's clear glue. And then I made a video for T-Diddy. Uh, about clear glue beds, and then all of a sudden we started noticing we couldn't get clear glue anymore from that supplier. And um, then whenever it came back, it was significantly more expensive. And now it's to the, uh, now it's to the point where it's about um, you know it's just a couple bucks more to go get the Elmer's from Walmart. So you don't have to go drive and hunt around the like. Uh, Michael's clear glue is excellent glue. It works well. I think it's only like 12 or 13 bucks, but they've had supply chain issues. i went to a couple of stores in the last year and they never have any in the store. And so I got lucky there. They were running a special on discount school supply and I ended up buying 50 gallons of it. (laughs) And I've still been working on that hoard for about the last six months or so. And I've Uh got about, oh six gallons left
0: that's impressive yeah I've, i always wonder what these industries like all of a sudden one of their products is selling really well and i'm like what the hell is going on yeah like, why are is all, is these all these clear glue like clear school glue yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then, there was a uh, there was a review on their website. Uh, somebody left a review. It dies discs uh, really well. it's <laughs> sure, somebody that's there to just buy it as a school one. died what? Or like
0: the or the marketing department's like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: now they figure out what they have, and now it's not as cheap as it was.
0: Yeah. Uh, a few other questions. What do you contain the bed in? Like what? I use
1: an ultimate disc, but. Um, well, first of which I like to use the white because, well, they're not terribly white anymore, but I mean, it's a nice backdrop. So you see true color as I'm building my bed, Mm -hmm. but I've also, uh, discovered that these little, it's like a, I got them for a dollar at Walmart. Um, These, uh, Michael O'Hearn of Lucky Dyes and um, Chase of Greasy Dyes, they both use these as beds and they're the perfect size. Um, A a disc just fits very well into it. It's a lot less wasteful. Uh, You're not just throwing extra medium down the drain, but those are typically what I use. Uh, And I will also use Pyrex pie uh, deep dish pie plates for uh, whenever I'm doing pours, I will use, typically put my bed in that. And, and I use these for a couple of things. Like, oh, here's, here's the bonus content. So whenever I lotion paint things, I make this little terrarium like this. I'll put the bed on the bottom and this on the top. And then just set, uh, put my disc that I've lotion painted inside this, put the dome over the top of it and set it over here. I'll either put it under my heat lamp for a couple of hours or put it over on my uh, seedling mat overnight. Just let it sit there and it traps the humidity in there because if people don't know, uh, whenever your medium dries out, it is no longer transferring color. So you gotta keep it moist. And uh, Randy Drennan turned me onto that little bit of knowledge. And then I thought, hey, this will work great. And it serves me very well. So, yeah, uh, Ultimate Discs, these, and pie plates. Those are my friends.
0: Yeah, um, I usually stick an Ultimate Disc with a wet paper towel underneath it when I do my lotions to keep the moisture in. Hmm. Awesome. Interesting. So how many discs do you dye in, uh, say, a week, a month?
1: It honestly depends because there's sometimes, like, if somebody wants me to do a stencil dye for them that's quite intricate I, I could spend 6 8 hours on one disc but there's a couple of shops that i dye discs for and a lot of those are pretty fairly simple stencils and so i'll just i can mow through the most i've dyed in a week was probably about 75 oh was- wow yeah, it was a pretty short order uh a shop that had a booth set up at um a tournament and they wanted to have some dyes to sell and they're like if, you, if we rush these to you, can you do them real quick? <laughs> I'll do my best and then I was able to do it. So
0: that's crazy. Uh-huh.
1: But on a typical day um mm, I guess I would have to say I could probably do like uh, a moderate stencil with a background, usually uh, it's still hard to quantify because it ta- it goes over days at a time. Like I'll, like m- typically my workflow is Monday is stencil cutting day. That's where I will figure out like, what. Uh, logistics day, like, I'll, okay, these are the discs that I'm going to use, and this is the stencil I'm going to put on them, and I have to measure out my diameters and all this stuff and figure that out and put my stencils on. And then Tuesday it will be hot dipping day. And then uh, Wednesday will be background day, whether it's glue beds or lotion beds or whatever the case may be. And then um, Thursday or Friday will be uh, lotion painting day after I peel off all the vinyl. So it's it's really hard to say. Um, three to four a day that's okay. my best estimate
0: i like how you split up the days yeah it's hot dip day, day. <laughs>
1: yeah i well, that i actually get excited about that now yeah, it, it makes
0: perfect sense honestly if you're doing a batch a bunch of stuff you know one day you do this the other day you do the other stuff yep um so the other thing that i i like your work is your stencils that you do how did you get into doing stencils
1: um i just i um discovered keith Lempa's work he he was the first one that made me think wow that's so cool and i thought at first um I'm, I'm very comfortable with knives like i i this stays at my table with me all the time and um i thought i'll just hand cut some stencils and i sat down and with a compass and a ruler and um drew out this uh heptogram that tool uses as part of their backdrop behind them and it took so long to sit and draw all that out and then keith was like dude just get a cameo and then yeah, <laughs> i did actually that was uh what i got with one of my um uh, pandemic stimulus checks money well spent I'm like i'm nice. buying a cameo and then Yeah, I got that and it just kind of, once I figured out how to use it, it's, I guess if I had to zero in on one type of dye that I like doing the most, it's probably stencils because they're so personal. Uh, You can do exactly what you want to do with it. And I mean, yeah, you can do that with beds too, but it's just a different level of personalization.
0: I totally agree with that. And um, I know you said you're not necessarily a visual artist, but with the stencil stuff, that's a visual thing. So where do you get your stencils and or do you manipulate any of the stencils that you get to customize it even further?
1: So I've um let's first of all was on the disc golf dyers, uh, there's a on the Facebook group, there's a huge dump of stuff there. Um, then Triple Seven Customs. Whenever he got into the the UV printing, uh, he sort of uh, made this stencil dump of like five hundred some different pictures. And there's so many projects in there that I just after he posted them on Facebook, I was like, oh, just downloaded all those and put them in my uh, in my folder. And I haven't really done. A whole lot of constructing my own stencils from scratch. I'm starting to understand that a little bit better, and how to use silhouette. And uh, I've been starting to work with Inkscape because I'm too cheap to pay for a subscription to Adobe's and all that, all of the stuff that that they is
0: want. Perfectly fine about that. So <laughs> yeah,
1: but um, and just Google image search, and then once I discovered um, Vector Q that's an I, I don't think it's available for anybody but apple users but um if you need to convert a picture into a usable stencil that's the way to go
0: uh recently found out about that as well and that is a good alternative for people that do not want to pay for adobe stuff <laughs> right
1: yeah and i'm, I'm hoping I, I, um bill uh, Bill Hammond, he's kind of gotten my interest peaked in trying to get a tablet and do my own tracing and make stencils but and we'll see.
0: yeah, it's another thing that you gotta learn and do. Um, I do have an iPad and an apple pencil and it's it takes some time to learn and to actually do, but you you can get some good results and custom results. yeah,
1: that's what I'm hoping for.
0: I remember the Halloween disc that you did for the tournament that we had um and that was a freddy krueger one and that i really liked and was one of the my favorite discs out of that group thank you um what i i really liked the background the stencil and the shading that you did with the coloring inside there as well
1: yeah that's that's been new adventures for me like that Um, learning how to shade, what colors to use and where to put the darker colors and uh, where to leave things lighter so that you don't paint yourself into a corner by painting it too dark before you need it to be a different color, if that makes any sense.
0: Uh, How do you do your shading?
1: Um, Lotion. Lotion painting. Um, I'll use these little... I use a whole lot of these. They're called nail tips, I think. Mm. Uh, I got them from sally beauty supply and a lot of times i'll just sit here and kind of shade wherever i need to shade i'm starting to I, i just recently got some more bottles uh to keep my dye mixes in and i'm mixing up more denatured alcohol because that's a far more forgiving um medium for uh hand painting and shading and it's
0: more subtle do you have any favorite discs that you like to dye and or plastic type discs I guess I would have to say something
1: flat uh, those are easier to get stencils on cleanly um, stencil art discs that I can that are translucent or I can see through for like whenever I center the stencil those are so much easier to get centered up right um, but as far as just how like plastic takes dye the trilogy opto X glimmer the are the the there's uh, opto X I don't remember if it's glimmer or chameleon, but there's a pearl. I haven't seen a lot of it, but oh my gosh, that's that plastic. It, look, it looks so beautiful out in the sun, and it whole it, it it seems to be one of the ones that fades the slowest over time. Um, also, yeah. the new there's that new trilogy. Uh, what do they call it? the The gold X or uh, Fusion X. That stuff is. Um, very vivid and it doesn't seem to fade very quickly. Oh, and Prodigy 750 plastic. It's very hard, very slick. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for the, the plastics that have the really slick high gloss. And um, cast of plastic was like that until I figured out that it just fades so quick.
0: Are you a person that likes to wipe a stamp or keep the stamp?
1: It depends. If it's a cool stamp, keep it like um but others they're just in the way of me making it into something far greater than it currently is so uh yeah there's some cool stamps that i've seen that i like to work with especially like um oh i don't have it right here but uh thought space athletics they i mean how can you not love their foils they're they're incredible discs and um fun to work with that it gives you a good jumping off point like look at the color okay the color of your plastic and the foils okay start from there
0: do you if you do keep a stamp do you mask off any part of the stamp at any time
1: yes um Uh, well again it depends but i do quite a bit and i like to use um contact paper this is the best thing that i found Uh, this and a exacto knife That For me, that's far easier and more effective than um, like a glue mask because, uh, well, a couple of things about glue masks that I've noticed. Um, Elmer's, you better let it really dry because if it's even a little bit wet, that dye will leach through and it will stain it underneath. Uh, But if you let it dry too much, then it's going to damage, it could damage the stamp, Um, now there's also, oh, let's see here. Gorilla brand wood glue. This is the best thing that I found whenever I need to use a glue mask. But again, if you let it dry to a full cure on a disc that has a fragile foil, forget about it. It will wreck it.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I've uh, just started dabbling into glue mask. I haven't used any contact paper. Or you know the context um stuff masks yet. Are there any discs that you notice that the stamps are more fragile than others?
1: Oh god. Um Anova, uh Trilogy, the any of those foil stamps, Discmania not as awful. Um but mostly any kind of foil stamp. Oh yeah, Discmania, especially on the Neo line, those if you look at the foil wrong, it crumbles and <laughs> There's just not a whole lot you can do Uh, the, uh, the contact paper and uh, the contact paper. And whenever you're ready to peel it off, hold it under hot running water and very slowly peel it off. And that's the best way I found, but there's, there's even some, it doesn't matter how hard you try, it's going to wreck the stamp sometimes. Hmm. And sometimes they won't. So you never know.
0: Do you have a must-have die accessory that you cannot live without?
1: To um, heat gun. Mm. Uh, it's it, well. First of all, if you don't have a turntable, I would say that's I would consider a turntable um, fundamental equipment that you should just have from the get-go. But if you have a turntable, most definitely a heat gun for several reasons, uh, especially if you're into stencils. Um, because uh, getting the stencil on cleanly without wrinkles and all of that, um, yeah, the heat gun and a little spatula like this, it makes life so much easier. Uh, whenever you're weeding stencils, uh, it's gotten to the point for me that weeding warm vinyl is one of those uh, those fine pleasures of life, like the smell of rain (laughs) and all it it goes up in there with that, because if there's something, um, not too intricate, because if you heat it up too much and it's a really intricate, it'll pull all of it up, but you you eventually figure out the right temperature and it's just like a hot knife going through butter and it just feels right. And it makes weeding a stencil so much easier. And then, um, if you want to lotion paint something quickly, um, I would only advise such for like smaller areas like if you're trying to do a larger chunk of a background for me it's harder to get the um you have to heat the disc evenly and if you don't you'll have some areas that look a little bit darker and others that are a little bit lighter i would avoid it for the stuff like that but for smaller detail that you're just trying to touch up oh man this is great you just lotion painted on and get it hot i keep my hand on the underside of the disc directly touching the point of the plastic that i'm heating so i know when it's getting too hot and whenever it gets to the point where i about have to set it down because it's too hot i'll just let it sit for about five minutes and go wash it off ta-da
0: an interesting technique that i've never heard of for uh lotion painting
1: it works well uh keith uh keith limpa turned me on to that i Hmm. saw him doing it at um when we did dye academy at ddo uh two years ago i saw him using a heat gun working on a gyarados dye and watch him and he just do it a little bit of detail at a time and then sit there hit it with the heat gun let it sit and then go wash it off go right back to it I'm like, wow that sure beats letting something sit for 24 hours
0: <laughs> absolutely um for when you use contact paper for the masking Do you use heat at all? And have you noticed any bleeds from that?
1: I've noticed some bleeds. If it, if you have a deep depression from the hot stamp, like there's some, I I guess it probably has something to do with not a good match between the hot plate and the dome of the disc and the ones where you have, yeah, where you have those depressions from the hot stamp, it can sometimes let bleeds under, but it's not a huge problem.
0: Gotcha. And do you use heat with the contact paper? Um, I don't.
1: uh, Not to put it on. I mean, I'll use it on something that I'm using heat on, and it doesn't damage the
0: stamp. But you don't use it like you would vinyl to kind of seal up the edges. I
1: would. I don't count on it. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust it with a hot dip or anything of the sort. But if I'm just masking off a stamp, it'll typically be fine.
0: So for your spin dies, uh, you have a. I, I know you mentioned you made something, but did you actually make a turntable, or did you have an existing one? <laughs>
1: Well, so I have an actual turntable that I use for spin dies. This turntable that I built, um, I, I, I've had bad luck with turntables. Uh, I'm on my fourth one. Uh, the first one that I bought. I was trying to cut the, the little spindle off, and I I was like, oh, an angle grinder will make short work of this, and it sure did, and it got the, the little nub super hot, and it melted it, and it just kind of fell inside, and it got a wobble, and I'm like, wow, crap. So, I got me another turntable and decided, hey, I want to try and do some of those lollipop swirls. I wonder what will happen if I put it on a dimmer switch. I put the turntable on a dimmer switch, and then I smell burnt electronics. I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> so I, apparently, you're not supposed to put a dimmer switch on certain types of turntables. So burn that one And finally, I was like, you know what? What what would happen if I mounted a turntable platter on top of a ceiling fan motor? I wonder if it would work. I mean, it works functionally as like a lazy susan for building beds on, not for a spin die it's Mm. got a little bit of a wobble in it.
0: Do you have Dave Spindai jig rig? I have.
1: So uh, that's another sad story. I had one and then I left it sitting on the dashboard of my truck for a couple Mm. of hours one day when it was hot and I come back outside and it was all (laughs) sagging and melted. And so now I just, uh, I haven't bought another one yet, but I just ended up uh, drawing uh, just turn my uh, turntable on and just put a Sharpie on about the about the area where I need to ha- have line my disc up. And it doesn't take me too long to center it. Less than a minute. Yeah,
0: well, if you'd like another one, I can send one for free.
1: I would dig that. Yeah, because <laughs> I liked having it. It was great. And then yeah. I messed up and I should have thought about it. I mean, I know that 3D printed stuff doesn't take heat well, so
0: it happens. It's okay. Um, and speaking of fail stories, is there any fail stories that are memorable or any big fails that you've had?
1: Oh, God, a couple. Um, well, so. Um, one time. Uh, I, so first of all, let me preface this by saying. Uh, uh, Flow troll dies are my. Um, what's the word? A kryptonite? I tried and tried and tried. And I, I can get really nice looking bits. It's just the transfer to the disc gives me fits. And um, this was before the heat lamps became much of a thing. I thought to myself, well, what would happen if I put uh, my oven on its lowest setting? And I just leave it in there for a little bit. And I, I, I put the disc in there, kind of forgot about it for about three hours. <laughs> Came back to it and it's all... It's bubbling, and um, <laughs> oh, this isn't good. And uh, then I ended up spilling some on the heating element as I was getting it out of the oven, and it, oh, it stunk to high heaven. My wife was not happy with me. Um, but I, I learned my lesson after that. Don't put anything in the oven, like it's just not unless you get one of those fancy dehydrator ovens. Um, let me think. Other fails. Um, oh um word of wisdom if you're ever painting with warm bottles of warm dip there was one time that i was sitting here i just holding a bottle and i don't know what it is that causes me to do this but sometimes my hand will just twitch and i'm sitting here holding the almost full bottle of black warm dip i'm sitting here working on the disc and uh and my hand just kind of twitches and then this this big wave of black <laughs> warm dip comes out and just all over the disc that I'm working on, all over the table that I'm working on. Fortunately, I had the foresight to have a uh, junky tablecloth that I bought from Ork just to save me from instances just like that. (laughs) Um, But uh, aside from ruining that disc, Um, I I honestly feel like I don't repeat a lot of my mistakes outside of Floetrol. Um, I feel like that's why I've been largely successful in disc dyeing is because, uh, that's honestly one of the most important things is being analytical about, okay, are these the results I wanted? If yes, good. Okay. Why? Like, why do you, what, what, what specifically is going on that you like? Is it this certain color that's popping or this one color that's usually weak being analytical about, okay. Uh, but in both a positive and negative way, because, um, there's a great phrase that I love, uh, positives come and go, but negatives accumulate. And it's really easy to sit and pick yourself apart over, Oh, I don't like how this turned out or how this turned out. You have to give yourself credit for the things that you do well, but you also have to be able to look, okay, this is, I'm not happy with this. Why did this happen? And do your best to try and not do it again.
0: That is some really great advice. And, um, that's really how you learn, is you make mistakes. And like you said, you see, okay, that turned out really great, why? Or that got fucked up, why? So you just keep doing and learning from yes. your mistakes. Yes, yes, fuck
1: around and find out. I mean, yes. It's uh, if you don't know what you're doing, fuck around and find out. You could. Hey. There's so much to be said for ju- the experience of doing something. Uh, another great phrase that I like, uh, you don't get better at things by not doing them and there's so many people that get frustrated because they pick up something new and they're not excellent at it immediately. It's you got to suck. You have to you everyone has to go through that stage because learning not to suck is one of the most important skills of be, not just being a dyer, Anything that you do, any applied skill that you're trying to improve at, it's so important. And There's people that, well, I don't really want to do that again because I didn't do very well on it last time. Okay, well, I get that, but it's not a reason to dissuade you from doing something because you've made mistakes on it before.
0: You have to suck to get better. Yes, you really do, and there's
1: no way around it.
0: I'm going to ask this question, which we kind of are answering it, but is there any tips that you would give any new disc dyers and or some seasoned veterans
1: out there? First of all, your workspace. Um, uh, You need to have a place where you can feel uh, where you can, if you make a mess, it's not the end of the world. Like when I first started doing this, I was doing it all in our kitchen. Um, We did not get our deposit back when we moved out of that place. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, But learning how to protect your work area, Um, having a flat and level workspace. That's a huge thing. Whenever I'm turning my beds, like spinning my beds around and working on, if that bed is not flat and level, whenever I turn it, that the medium slides and the pattern moves and and having a flat and level workspace is so important. Um, And learn ways to use heat. I'm not uh, not the hugest proponent of heat, but, I mean, like lotion dyes, or whenever I lotion paint something, I put it in my little dome contraction I showed you, and two hours later, after it's under a heat lamp that's about twenty inches away, it's done and ready to be washed off. Um, so learn to use heat. Uh, yeah, protect your workspace. Um, uh, let me think of something for season. Uh, try something new. Like get outside of your comfort zone. I, I, I outside even though. I suck with troll. I still I'm still try. Like this... Um, hold on. I, no, I haven't. Yeah, I just have a recent... One of my fails up here. I was so excited. Ah, I, I must have left it downstairs or something. But, um, yeah. Don't be afraid to try something new. And, like, these, these split cups. Whenever I got a split cup and did it, I, I'd only seen people do, like, pour paintings on... Um, uh, on Instagram, but they're so cool and it, it's fun to play with. It, 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 yeah, that's another tip uh, for seasoned disc dyers: um, have fun with what you're doing because there's a, there's a lot of people that have turned disc dyeing into varying degrees of a side hustle, and that's great. I mean, I, I'm I I could not. I don't know how deep I'm going to go into this, but over the last year, if I had not had this hustle of of dying and selling discs, I have no idea how I would have managed the last year. Uh, For those of you that don't know, um, my dad died two years ago, and my mom died last year. And um, whenever my mom died, she died from COVID, and I made several trips back and forth from Michigan to Missouri, and if I hadn't been doing that whenever my mom died, I have no idea how I would have been able to manage, um, handling this estate and coming and cleaning out this house. Um, I was so fortunate to have a job that I could do that wherever I can create the space and is, uh, the, the most important, Oh, that backtracking your climate control. Um, if you have if your dye if your dye lab has wide swings in temperature, be careful because there's uh, whenever I first moved into this house, it was in the middle of summer and we didn't have the AC going yet, and I was like, I gotta dye some discs. And then uh, I didn't think I used heat, but I sure did. I came back the next day and it was super overexposed. I'm like, well, so I need to get this AC going very quickly. So, yeah, yeah um, do- doing something simply for the joy of it is so important because whenever I feel like whenever I've died as many discs that I've had, that I have in the last year, it becomes more about the process and completing orders than enjoying the experience and having fun. And um, I mean, I, I, tend to like, if I'm making a sense with a background, I'll usually default to a glue bed, but sometimes, you know, Put a slit cup pour behind it, do a lotion bed, try a flow pour, a shaving cream burster, whatever the case may be. But keep experimenting because that, once you lose sight of that initial joy of discovery that you get when you first got into it, it's really easy to get lost in the weeds and it gets become more of a chore and a grind than a pleasurable experience.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. Is once it starts becoming work, it doesn't become fun anymore. So try not to turn it into work and still have fun with disc dying.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what does disc dying mean to you? Disc
1: dying mean to me, it's a way that I can be expressive about a variety of things. Um, I, I seem to have a little bit of, I'm not going to go deep into the specific specifics because I don't want to discuss some topics, but, um, some, something will happen in the news and I'll just get this random idea. Like I made a caricature, caricature disc of, um, um, Vladimir Putin and drag and, uh, to being able to express myself through art uh and being able whenever somebody messages me and it's like hey man i really like it if you could t- get this put such and such on a destroyer for me or whatever and then um whenever i you know, I, I, I love the process of coming up with customs for people, like floating ideas by, themselves. okay, how about this artwork? What do you think of this? And, okay, what colors do you want in the background? What, and getting people exactly what they want. And then, um, you know, the, then looking forward to how many people message me uh, after they get the disc and like, wow, looks even better in person. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going for. That, that's just that it, it provides warm fuzzies that I didn't really know that I was missing out on by not being into some form of visual art. Like to me, I've always been a musician. I was a band dork all through high school and college. And um, uh, oh, here's a fun random fact about me um, I play the bassoon, if you happen to know what a bassoon is. I play a mean bassoon. Um, but that was always my outlet for artistic expression. And anytime I ever tried something else, I like tried drawing stuff. It just looked terrible. I mean, that's not my drawing. Freehand drawing is not my forte. But then I find something that I can play around with and it feels like fun. And it, it, you create something beautiful. And... So that's what it means to me. I, it's not really a concise answer, but it's hard to give a concise answer to something like that.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to hear, uh, everybody's story of what this dying means to them. And it's you know just fascinating. And speaking of the custom dyes that you do for people, have you had any weird or unique ones? <laughs>
1: <that you had? laughs> yes, I, uh, I, I just had one uh, a couple of weeks ago. Someone wanted, a, um, Born to shit, forced to wipe, put onto a disc with skull and crossbones, given a double finger. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that. Um, I wouldn't really call it weird, but the the coolest commission that I've had, there's a, there's a group of guys, uh, a group of friends that have known each other for a long time, and they started making this annual trip to Maple Hill. And uh, the this was their second year of doing it and they, they wanted trophy discs. And so they came up with a logo and artwork and everything and, um, got a bunch of glow discs and had them sent to me. And I made, there were, uh, it was 10 discs, nine of them. I made like basically, a. a a stencil in the middle, they were glow discs and they didn't want a bunch of mud going on. They wanted it to be good functional glow disc. But I ended up putting glue bed halo, like took a halo stencil or a halo rim stencil and did the different colors of the rainbow. And then one was the trophy disc and um whoever ended up like they played 3 rounds over the course of the weekend and whoever uh finished first got to take home the the prize disc and i thought that was a really cool thing to get a hold of uh to be asked to you know provide the trophies for and the guys all liked it um let me think other weird um um i had someone message me they want uh, them and their uh, significant other like to go to Waffle House and eat waffles, and they wanted uh, they wanted a disc that looked like um, the plate that they use at Waffle House with the little s's, the little wrapping s's around the edge, <laughs> and they wanted it to look like a waffle with a bite taken out of it. I'm like, that's cool. Interesting. Oh, I, I can dig that. Yeah. I like specialized things. So,
0: absolutely, that's that's awesome that you got to yeah. do all that stuff. Um, so if you had to start disc dying and you know what you know now, is there anything that you would do differently?
1: I would be better organized about, um, like whenever, whenever I experiment with things, it's, it's so important to a, take pictures of beds whenever you're experimenting with new variables and things that you're unsure about. And keep notes, like, uh, keep a little notebook and jot down. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Memento. Um, but like things, you know, like go back and look at that every day. And they, you know, there are certain fundamental truths to disc dying and remember those things. And, um, I, I mentioned about, uh, longer set times before, uh, but I feel like, I, I mean, I struggled with it a little bit as a new dyer, like wanting to pull things early. But it didn't take me long after letting something sit for a few days and seeing how vivid it looks coming out of the bed to realize, okay, it's worth the wait. You know, sit and be patient. Um, and um, you got to have somebody to share uh, your excitement with because otherwise you just kind of keep it all bottled up inside. I mean, and if you if that's all you need, that's fine, but there's a different aspect of joy that comes with being able to share things about what you've what you've learned and what you've created to somebody else that's interested as well.
0: Do you have any other local dyers near you?
1: Um, let's see. There's a, a there's a guy that I um there's a guy that I met um uh, about a month and a half ago. And it just so happens that he mostly does flow trial beds and he gets much better results than I do. Um, but as far aside from him, I don't know. Uh, now, Whenever I was up in Michigan and first learning how to dye discs, uh, I was right in Jaybird's backyard. And if people don't know who Jaybird is. He's the, orig- he's the OG disc dyer. He's the first guy figuring out how to do this stuff. And, uh, he, for years he did all of the factory dies for Innova and Disccraft and Dynamic like all those american flat those sloppy american flag dies that you've seen came from him and uh whenever i first started breaking into a side hustle uh started hitting up locals like hey check out these die discs They're like i'm loyal to Jaybird and you know i can respect that and he does a lot for the local community and he's been he he's been dying for, I believe like 20 some years. So, but I, and I never got to meet him. I, I unfortunately did not get to, I, I wanted to, but, uh, he's kind of a recluse at the point that I got into disc dying and he is on his way out. Like, I don't know if he did. I was told through the grapevine he retired last year and, uh, I never got to meet him, but he was the closest disc dyer I had in my backyard. Uh, and then uh, uh, Justin Larson of JL Dyes, who does those incredible spin dyes. Um, yeah, he was right in my backyard whenever I first started selling discs for Great Lakes and going in the shop. And he, w- he had his discs there before I had mine there.
0: Are there any other uh, shout-outs that you like to give to other dyers and or other dyers that you really like their work?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, so... Uh, first and foremost would definitely have to be Chase of Greasy Dyes. He was who sparked this within me and like, I need to learn how to do this. And then um, Keith Limpa, he, he was in, he put up with so many questions from me and so many other people, in the community. And he was always so incredibly patient and answered my questions. And even if I didn't get it the first time, um, he was so kind to share uh, what I would consider to be trade secrets. The work that he does is just absolutely incredible. And he's so unselfish about, you know, he wants other people to be able to match him. He wants other people to, to do their best work. And uh, as I learned how to do stencils, he, you know, who, who better to learn from that, that dude just does absolutely insane work. And um, so, yeah, um, t Denny. Uh, I he should have probably been my second shout out because he was he was the person that uh, Chase was the one that made me think I want to do this. T Diddy's the guy that made me think I can do this. Um, Chris Hannis of Daddy Mac Dies. Uh, Howie Coacher of Change or Die Disc Golf. Um, there's um, Jeff Darrow of Darrow's Dies. Um there's a big group chat of a bunch of us that uh, w- it started out as a couple of years ago we-, we were gonna just uh, do a, a disc dying se- a group, Zoom's disc dying session. and it ended up turning into uh, the cast of people, a lot of the people at the first die Academy at DDO. Uh, oh yeah, that's another person, Jeff Beatty. Uh, Die Academy. He's one of the first people that really believed in me and was like, You do incredible work, and I want you to come show other people how to do this. And um, he's the reason I even went to DDO. Like I, I, I mentioned, I think I mentioned before, I'm a I'm, I'm filthy casual at heart, but I figured, Well, hey, if I'm going to go to DDO, why not be in a tournament? And I, I succeeded my goal of not finishing last.
0: I yeah.
1: Um, I, I, know there's so many people that I can't think of right off the top of my head because there's so, there's been so many people that have messaged me like after I kind of discovered the magic of clear glue beds, I wrote, a uh, a, a guide that I posted on Reddit and it got quite popular. And then I had a whole, I still get occasionally people message me and ask me questions based on stuff around that guide. Um, but just the, um, the Disc Golf Dyers page in general on Facebook, uh, honestly, that's the biggest thing that would keep me from leaving Facebook altogether because it's just uh, – that, that place can be such a shit show. But God, that group is such a wealth of knowledge and people that – uh, there's a whole lot of people there that bear it all and share because they want the community to be able to raise their game as well. And they honestly don't have to. They uh, There's some people that are on to some really magical stuff that not, any, not just anybody can do because they want to. And they're so helpful in um, doing what they can to make the tide rise for all boats.
0: Very cool, and some great shout-outs. I know it's hard because there's so many people that you just can't think there of really and you feel are. Bad for not. and I'm
1: sure after um, I finish here, there will be somebody that pops into my mind. Why did I give them a specific <laughs>
0: shout-out? Um, is there anything else that you would like to talk about dying-specific? If not, we'll go on to a personal note.
1: Oh, dying-specific
0: stuff. Mm. So, um, one of my little...
1: One of my little hacks for people that like to play around with lotion beds, um, one of the most important things that I've had with having good results from a lotion bed, is using a mix of Floetrol and lotion for my base. Whenever I first started getting into lotion beds, I noticed uh, you're fighting the dome of the disc, and like you got to figure out how deep the, you know how deep your bed needs to be, and even if you use just straight lotion it's thicker than it really needs to be, especially if you have a domey disc. And then I noticed some of my, the patterns were really smooshed in the center and then not so much around the outside edge. But then I thought, well, what if I make something a little bit thinner so that it, it just the weight of the disc takes it down flush. And so if it's a flatter disc, you don't need as much, uh, you don't need as much flow troll, but if it's a very domey disc, you might need like 60% flow, try to 40% lotion, stir it up in a cup and pour that into your bed. And um, if it's really domy, make it a little bit runnier so that uh, whenever you use, uh, and be very, uh, oh, there's another piece of advice. Whenever you're gonna send a disc, it should be very tender and slow, um, like, use whatever you I I will get right down eye level with bed and just kind of lay that thing down and just set it down very slowly um like if I'm if I'm putting a disc into a bed that has a stencil on it and um like typically speaking wherever the disc touches a glue bed first is where you're going to have bubbles a lot of the time so I'll, I'll line up okay this part that has the stencil still has vinyl on it I'll be make that where first contact is. Um, if you have, like, I like to, if I have a flat disc, uh, like, uh, or if you've died a Berg and tried to put a Berg into a bed and get the dreaded Berg bubble uh, or a flat disc, sometimes it helps to push, you know, push down on the underside of the disc. Like, like, so uh, Daddy Mac did a really good video about uh, how to avoid the Berg bubble. Watch that. Um,
0: let's see here. You have some great tips and some stuff that um, even I'm learning. So that's awesome. Good. So on more of a personal note, we'll get to know you a little bit better. Okay. So the first segment that we'll do is favorite fave. First question I have is what is your favorite band or song? Favorite band, probably Tool.
1: Uh, That's kind of unfair because I I feel like I have a very wide musical palette. Uh, I'm a metalhead at heart. That's kind of what I grew up on. I, I, I'm uh, I was born in '79, graduated high school in '97. Um, if that if that gives you any idea, like Allison Chains, uh, Deftones, Tool, those are some of my favorites. But I also I, um, I'm not a huge country music fan, but I love Sturgill Simpson. Um, even if you don't like country music, go check him out. He is so incredibly good. He, good songwriters are good songwriters. And I don't care what genre. But if I guess I guess if I had to pick one band above all others, probably Tool, because I've seen them in concert a couple of times, and their live show is just phenomenal, and it's so much more than just a concert. It's a complete sensory experience.
0: I saw them, um, I think, for the first time just before the pandemic in 2019 at Halloween. And um, yes, amazing show. Even a harder question, do you have a favorite song by them?
1: Uh, Lateralus
0: nice yeah
1: the, the, especially the video I, I i told my wife i want that song played at my funeral <laughs> spiral out keep
0: going there you go uh what other metal bands do you like
1: um gosh um one of my more recent flavors has been uh fit for an autopsy i say i'm typically not much so i have to enter with caveat i like melody like i'm not a Mm. huge fan of the cookie monster vocals but it has its place there's a certain primal rawness to it that really appeals to me and i went to go see the band unearthed uh they're a Mm. metalcore band Uh, at a real small venue in Detroit and Fit for an Autopsy was opening up. I had never heard them and they came out on stage and they were just, uh, from the immediate get-go, they were so tight, a really good band and the music just grabbed you by the throat and demanded my attention and I was just a huge fan uh, immediately. like, wow, that was incredible. And then it got go see them two more times since then uh let's see other metal band gojira uh they're another one of my favorites um i love clutch i don't know if you can see the i've seen them oh six or seven times now they're just a fun fun band especially to go see live because they play such diverse set lists I, I hate it whenever a band goes on tour and they get every city gets the exact same set list. I mean, Gli, I understand why. From a the rehearsal's hard, but that's one of the things I admire so much about Clutches. They change their set list so much from night to night. Um, blind mel- outside of the metal realm. A uh, blind melon is one of my all-time favorite bands. Uh, if, if the only song you've ever heard of them uh, heard by them is "No Rain," uh, go check out the entire Nico album. It's oh, it's just incredible. I, it's one of my favorite uh, bands to listen to during the fall. There are certain bands that are sort of seasonal for me. Like Opeth yeah. is a wintertime band. I don't know why, but uh, I just <laughs> seem to listen to certain bands at different times. Um
0: so I know we can talk about music forever. Yeah, but uh, maybe at a later date we'll yeah. do a little music podcast. Um all right, moving on. Favorite food that you have barbecue. <laughs>
1: I love some barbecue. That was actually my first job whenever I was in high school. Uh, There's a world-famous Corky's Barbecue out of Memphis, Tennessee. They had a satellite restaurant open up in my hometown, and I ended up uh, working there for a couple of years. and worked my way to the pit crew in the back where I was unloading shoulders and briskets and ribs every day. And I learned so much about barbecue from that job. And um, actually I just asked my wife, she went to the store a while ago. I was like, pick up the pork, but I won't smoke it this weekend. We'll have some pulled pork sandwiches and yeah. Uh, so probably barbecue would be my favorite because there's a surprising amount of variety that you can do on a, uh barbecue and grilling. Which mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of people don't understand the subtle nuances between the two. Uh, yeah, but yeah, barbecue low and slow. That's uh, probably my favorite. So,
0: boy, man, now I'm hungry for some barbecue. Yeah, man damn it. It's
1: always a good <laughs> idea.,
0: uh, what is your favorite beverage? Oh,
1: Ginger ale, a good ginger ale. Uh, so uh, I've always enjoyed ginger ale. But back in late '90s, uh, you, you ever heard of Stewart's? They make a they make a different flavored sodas. They're they're fairly widely commercially available. You'd see them in stores. But anyhow, I was up in Michigan uh, at Interlochen Arts Academy. And there was a summer camp that I went up there, and in that store, they had a ginger beer, and. Uh, uh, and I'd never had it before, and it was a life-changing experience. I don't know if you've ever had a really good ginger ale before. Oh my gosh, it's one of you cannot drink it. You could not drink it quickly because it's so spicy, and you just it was one of the th- things that I'd learned to take little sips of and just savor the flavor and it, uh, the ginger, like the good one, the good ones, which there's not many of them. Um, they just leave this nice burn in your throat. And they're also, uh, if you have any tummy issues, ginger ale is great for helping mm. calm an upset stomach.
0: Do you have a favorite brand of ginger ale?
1: Uh, things that's available. So there's a main root, like the, the state, mm. main root ginger beer. You can buy it on Amazon. It's not cheap, but God, it's so good. Mm. It's amazing stuff. Interesting. I, I, I'll buy a case of it every now and then and just keep them for a treat
0: interesting i might have to try that so it's good stuff what other hobbies do you have besides disc golf and disc dyeing?
1: oh honestly not a lot I, I was a lot more interesting before i got old <laughs> but um <laughs> um i before i got into disc golfing i was big into mountain biking mm-hmm. i like mountain biking it's just uh, it was a good It's a good way to get exercise, but unfortunately, being a big guy that likes to ride hard, I broke a lot of equipment Mm. and got to be expensive. Disc golf's a little bit cheaper. Um, Just live music. Um, For the longest time, I was in wind ensembles and orchestras, and it was so much fun. I I love doing stuff. Uh, Anything to do with live music performance, whether I'm creating it or experiencing it, it's a huge part of my inner my inner being like there's, I always have music on whenever I'm dying discs. I always have music on in the car. And, um, let me think, um, Oh, barbecue. I mentioned that, um, other hobbies, very casually, uh, woodworking. My dad did a lot of woodworking whenever I was growing up. And, um, Oh, a few years ago, my wife decided she wanted a nice bookcase, and I don't know if you've ever, uh, have you ever done
0: any kind of woodworking or anything of the sort? Uh yes, I remodeled my kitchen and redid drawers. And oh, gabbages.
1: okay, so you know how expensive lumber is. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So Especially during the pandemic. Like, yeah. Well, so, well, this was before the pandemic mm-hmm. that I made this bookshelf, but even then it was. Uh, I was like, "What kind of wood do you want? Poplar." Okay, let's go get it. And then we figure I do the math and figure out how many boards I need to buy. And we're like, this little project turned into seven hundred dollars really quick. <laughs> it's like, do we really need to have poplar shells? There's gonna be books sitting on them. Let's just get make those pine. It'll be cheaper. Yes. But um Oh, um, just the outdoors in general. I I, I like to go camping, backpacking. Um I used to live in northern Arkansas up by the Buffalo National River. Have you ever heard of it by chance?
0: I think so.
1: So if you ever find yourself in Arkansas and you're not happy that you're there, but if you're in the northern part, go check out the Buffalo National River. It's one of two national rivers in the United States. It's uh, like 130 some miles, uh, completely wild, no water management. Uh, You know, if you get a lot of rain, it floods. If it hasn't rained, then it's too low to float in the summertime. Beautiful scenery. Uh, I I used to, when I lived up there, I'd spend a lot of time out backpacking and um, um, I was in boy scouts whenever I was a kid that's what was where my love of all of that stuff came from uh, got into going camping like whenever I was in high school there was a um, a 50 miler trip that we did over a week we did like 30 some like 32 miles in the canoe over a couple of days and then got out and resupplied and then hiked another 20 some miles and it was a highlight of my life nice. like going through the um uh, buffalo wilderness its fun times so that's what what every now and then like a couple of times a year i just need to completely disconnect from the whole world and go disappear for a few days and yeah and the family likes to go too
0: yeah no i like the outdoors too and that's um it's nice once in a while just to disconnect cuz you need that yes
1: yes yeah, being able to just put the phone away and not worry about what time it is and yeah. enjoy life.
0: All right. Next section that I have for you. If you had to pick three discs to use for the rest of your life to play any course, what would those three discs be?
1: If you would ask me a month ago, I'd have a more steady answer. Um, so I, I'm, I'm an I'm a, uh, old noodle arm like I'm, I'm never going to be a bomber. I'm, uh, I've just come to grips with that. I, lo- and I don't have much of a forehand to speak with. I, I, I can do more of approach shots and whatnot with a forehand and I can, do, I can competently, uh, forehand drive, but I love my flippy discs. And, um, I, w- I would have said a Castaplast fault. It, it, it also depends on the conditions, but if I had to pick, I guess I should probably pick something more overstable because that's more versatile. That was that was actually one of the, the – that tournament at DDO. Uh, yeah, there's nothing to uh, teach you quickly. You need to learn a forehand like, okay, well, I'm a lefty backhand thrower that needs to turn left, and I've got a headwind in my face, and every disc <laughs> that I throw that's understable, <laughs> crash and burn. That was where I – it dawned on me like, okay, you have to develop a competent for him. But, um, yeah. but then the cast Falk, I realized it's one of those weird anomalies that gets more overstable as it beats in rather than more flippy.
0: Hmm.
1: It's weird. It's really weird. And that's honestly the thing that makes me, uh, keeps me from picking that disc as my driver default driver. But Mm, I guess I'll go with it because I still have one in my bag. But I'm currently using a Thought Space Athletics Mantra, Ethos Mantra, in that spot. And that doesn't do that weird thing where it gets more overstable as it beats in. A Westside Anvil. I don't know if you've ever thrown one of those. Oh, God, that was a game changer for me. Uh, I I was bagging a zone in that slot until I... uh, uh, Justin Larson actually... Uh, he sent me one of those to die for him and I was like I love how this feels it's like perfectly angular and flat and it feels so good in my hand and it's so beefy and you can do so many different things with it so yeah I'm gonna go with the fa- castplast fault west side uh, anvil and the cast plus berg is my putter now it's not my it's not my putting putter but that disc is just a cheat code like it yeah. I don't know if you I don't know if you throw one but, like on windy days, I, that's that's my security blanket. I, I, whenever it's windy, I putt with my berg and even on non-windy days, I'll usually that's my approach disk if I'm just going straight at the basket because I can just gun it and it just and sits down.
0: Well, so. that was a good three choices, so, now going forward that's all you can use ever so there you go oh
1: god (laughs) my fairway drivers
0: (laughs) um next section lee perfect hole has there been a favorite discourse and or hole that you've played
1: favorite course would probably have to be flip city uh, it's one of those courses. It's, it. it uh, I think the last time I checked, it was rated something like number six in the world. It's a private course. It's been around forever. It's probably the uh, most famous course in Michigan, and. Uh, I'm a filthy casual with a noodle arm. If if I'm there to go score well, it's not going to be a fun time. But God, it's just a fun course. So many hills and elevation changes and tricky baskets and death putts. And it's just a fun place to go. Fun vibe. And Though apparently I need to go play um, Eagles Crossing. That's about two hours from where I live. I haven't made it up there yet. But everyone tells me, oh man, you got to go play that course. It's so much fun. And so I guess that's going to have to be next on my list. But my favorite course to play would have to be uh, Follisburg. It's outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's just super fun course. I It was 45 minutes from my house, but I didn't care. I would drive there a couple of times a week to go play that course, and it's just so much fun. It's a uh, uh, favorite hole. I don't know. I don't i don't remember if it's 13 or 14 but one of them is a super high um the tee pad is very elevated and the basket's way down there and there's lots of trees and there's lines through it and it's a touch shot it's not a power shot and whenever you just thread one through the trees and it just feels so good <laughs> i think it's hole 13 or 14 i don't remember for sure
0: do you have any courses that are on your bucket list that you want to play Oh, gosh. So
1: I just mentioned Eagles Crossing, and uh, apparently Harmony Bend uh, is also not too far away from Eagles Crossing. So I have my plan. I want to devote a whole weekend to it and uh, like go up there on a Friday night, uh, get up Saturday morning, go play one. Then uh, go uh, go back to camp, go the next day, go play the other. Um Anytime I find myself traveling, I try to stop and make time to play a course because um, there's been so many cool courses that I've gotten to just random stops and you know check out Udisc and find the stuff that's rated really highly. Some of the courses up in St. Louis that I've gotten to play since coming here, like there's uh, Jefferson Barracks. That's also a lot of fun. Great park style course. And then they just built a companion course to it that goes all through the woods and it's uh it's brutal there's a they call it the bunker and there's a sign hanging up abandon all hope you enter here and it's one of those courses like i i I scored an eight over on it and i felt really good about that score like that uh, there were some shots i made to pull that out
0: but yeah next section dream date if you had to pick one pro disc golfer to play around with and hang out who would that be
1: I guess I would have to say Ezra Adderholm because, um, he, he I, I had, a, I, died dyed some discs for him and he was such a delight to work with, like to communicate with. He, he seems like just such a, 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 a decent guy. Um, I'm not going to go on some rant. I'm not going to go on a, a big rant, but there's some pros that are kind of dismissive of. Uh, they, they want disc dyers to do work for them, but they they sure don't give us very many shout-outs. But he was uh, like, there was a he specifically wanted a titanium nuke, and I went on a group and found a specific disc for him from a person that didn't want it, and he don't well. I'll give it to Ezra, but uh, would you ask him to make a video uh, throwing it? And I forget exactly what he wanted him to say, but I asked Ezra to do it, and he did it. And I would love to meet him someday. He he seems like a really cool dude. Uh, if not him, Calvin, just because he seems just so just so chill. Uh, so I, I mean, I, I know how frustrated I can get, but he just seems like he's cold as ice, and nothing bothers him. And that's kind of how I try to be in life even keel not too high not too low take everything in stride and i think it'd be interesting to get a closer look at him
0: those uh, those are great choices and I, I feel like i'm the same way as well just even stride so uh every time i think of ezra i just think of beans
1: yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw somebody do a popeye themed die for him and it made me laugh
0: whatever <laughs> nice uh, Brian, where can people find your work?
1: So, uh, you can follow my main profile that I channel, our channel, most of my work to is my Instagram, uh, pipe dreamer 79. Uh, you can just message me there to talk to me about custom work or anything of the sort. If you go to, uh, pipedreamercustoms.com, that will take you to my shop. Um, I, I've kind of. i I don't make a whole lot of stuff like stock dies i've been trying to move myself more towards doing mostly commission work like because people if people are going to spend good money on a dyed disc they want it on exactly the disc that they want and you know that i try to facilitate that the best i can but i do put stuff up for sale on my website Uh, so you can come up to my storefront there pipedreamercustoms.com
0: so please go check out his work give his page likes and if you like his work buy something
1: (laughs) yeah i'd be happy to hook you up
0: yeah so again i greatly appreciate you being on the podcast taking time out of your day um and i have honestly learned a lot and uh you were a pleasure to have so well
1: thanks a lot for having me dave i appreciate it
0: yes until next time we'll see you guys later take care bye
1: take it easy